0: Welcome to Remembering What Matters Most, a podcast exploring what it means to live our lives based on what is most important to us. I'm your host, Susan McNamara, and today I'm with Patty Mari, friend and fellow educator. Welcome, Patty. Thanks. Good to see you. Great to
1: see you too. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so we're going to continue today uh, with our conversation around mindfulness. Okay. Yeah, so the last podcast we were talking about the concept of mindfulness, which is about learning how to be present moment to moment Mm -hmm. without judgment. And we had focused on the last podcast on parents and parents using this as a way to approach how they're using their technologies To um, both see where the technologies are serving them and where not, but really in that larger context of understanding that as parents, we're always modeling something for our kids one way or another.
1: Yeah, and I think you left everybody last time with um, this little experiment or exercise where you suggested that people just notice like for two weeks their own technology use without any judgment
0: or without any changing anything, but just kind of noticing. Noticing. And, and when I think about this in terms of parent use, I think about it along two lines. The, the first line being that it's for the parents themselves to be really clear about how they're using this, t- this tool in their lives and whether or not it's serving them. And then secondarily, as a way to understand the way the technologies are impacting our children. And that's where we're going to start to turn our focus towards today is that use of mindfulness around our kids and their technology use. But I just do want to come back to underscore that point that as parents, if we can be mindful about how we're using the technologies and we can notice things like when it's really hard to stop doing what we're doing or when we feel really obsessed or when we feel like we can't put it down or when we feel or notice the way that it interferes with other aspects of our lives, this actually puts us as the parent in the exquisite position of really understanding what this is doing to and for our kids. Right.
1: Because it really has to start with us. And we've all been in those situations, I think, where we've been out with a group of friends and perhaps one of our friends is obsessively on their phone, you know. I've been out to dinner with a group of people and, you know, like a couple of them have their phones out during dinner. Um, so, yeah, I think it really it has to start with each one of us.
0: It does have to start with each one of us. And, and to also remember, too, which my sense is that this is something that's getting lost in our culture right now, that we have forgotten that children and their developing emotions and their developing Mm -hmm. minds require different things than grown-ups require Mm -hmm. and that that development really requires our protection Mm -hmm. because if we one of the things that i often come back to is that if i'm struggling with my use as a parent and if i'm feeling really pulled in What is that doing to a little being whose brain is not fully developed? The frontal cortex, right? We Mm -hmm. know that from science, not fully developed until at least 25, and that's the center of judgment and and being able to make decisions. All that executive functioning, Mm -hmm. right, that can override the emotions or the lack of self-regulation that might push a kid to want to, you know, do something else, be impulsive. If that hasn't actually yet developed, what position are they in to be making wise choices around the technologies?
1: Oh, that's such a good point, such a good point. So 25 years
0: old, mm. And I think, and I, I'm sure you've seen it. So I've got a 21 and a 23 year old. Mm-hmm. And I know you've got kids that are also in their 20s. Yeah. And I have absolutely seen a shift and I continue to see that shift as both of mine move towards the mid 20s. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a
0: different way that they're thinking about things mm-hmm. around whether it's risk taking or mm. self-regulation or emotions or just just the ability to consider more than themselves or the impulse of the moment, basically. Yeah.
1: And I've even noticed in my kids that they have more self regulation around their phones now
0: than exactly. they did
1: as teenagers, where they were literally connected to their phone, you know, 24 7. They just slept with it near their bed, they had it on their being at all times. And now I can see that, and it makes me really, really, really happy. Because now I feel like I can have a conversation with my kids.
0: And now they're in a position, right, to have that ability to say no, to draw a line, to think down the road, to be aware of the way that it might be interfering with other things. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I I just, I, I guess I can't state this strongly enough that I think that when we as parents, as the adults in the room basically can notice the hold that the technologies have on us, Mm. it's so important to wonder what is that doing to the kids that's a really good point. how can they possibly stack up if i as the grown-up with life experience with a fully developed brain if i'm struggling with this Mm -hmm. what's happening for them and you know this is one of those places too as we start to continue to explore the concept of mindfulness is to start to bring that level of awareness to our children to be observing them as they're moving through the day um, really understanding where they're at developmentally and by this I mean you don't have to be an expert on development and you don't have to have read every single book out there. If as a parent you're working on being more present, meaning that you're paying attention to your children when they're around you, you're noticing who they are, you're noticing what they can do and what they can't do, that starts to give you information about their level of maturity, which then starts to inform you about what they might be able to handle as far as the technologies go and what they absolutely cannot.
1: Yeah, there's a great book called Yardsticks that looks at students' ability to learn at different developmental phases. And I don't have the author right now, but I'll try to um, look that up. Um, and it's great because it's a quick little resource. It's not this huge thing that you have to read and it will go into what kids are development developmentally ready for at K to one, at one to two, at grade two to three, and so on.
0: Yeah, that's a great. Thank you for that suggestion, and mm-hmm. that resource, right? Because we don't need a lot of information around this. We just need that yardstick. I mean, yeah. what a great title.
1: Yeah, it actually really You is. know,
0: just those little marking points to tell you because, so for instance, it, it always makes me think that if you really understood as a parent that say what your infant needs, right? And so infants come in and their whole thing is about just, you know, learning how to regulate their physiology in terms of eating and sleeping and But their real need is to be with us, right, to be fed and have their basic needs being met, to be close to us. Mm -hmm. And so if you knew those things, you would then really get why you would never want to turn those moments over to a screen, why you wouldn't want to put an infant in front of a screen and think that that would suffice in terms of the the connection that they need in order to develop. Right, babies need to be held. They do. And in other
1: cultures, babies are literally never put down. Exactly. For a couple of the first few years.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, you know, there's another, you know, talking about great books, but there's another book out there called The Continuum Concept, and that was by a woman who had spent time in another culture and discovered the same thing that babies that were held and close to their caregivers, you know, they didn't cry for no reason, um, that they were really well developed in terms of both dependence and independence. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to push really hard, I think in this culture for independence, but just this whole idea again of really understanding what it is that kids need Mm -hmm. is, is really, and, and should be at the foundation and at the heart of everything that we're doing, whether it's education how we set up our homes or the technology choices that we're making, do we actually understand what kids need? And today I would say I don't think that we do anymore because we've been so marketed to and so pushed to believe that kids need you know, devices and things to be okay, when really what they need is they need us, they need their basic needs met, they need, you know, space to explore, they need connection, they need Mm -hmm. love, Mm -hmm. they don't need stuff. Well, maybe,
1: maybe the whole American way, you know, we're so independently orientated in this country. And having a phone helps us to be even more independent. Right, right. So I think what I hear you saying is, that maybe that in itself is wrong. That supposition that we should all strive to be really, really independent, maybe that is where we sort of have gone wrong somewhere because isn't it more about like people who have strong social connections? Those are the happy people.
0: They are the happy people. You know, the
1: people who have been um, always have somebody, somebody around, family member, a friend. You know, I don't think anybody's going to be on their deathbed saying, I wish I spent more time on my phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. But good chance that they'll think, boy, I really miss the boat in terms of spending time with others or exploring the world or developing a hobby. Um, I, I do agree with you that the this idea about independence and dependence and I found it along so many lines actually that there are just these ways where the technologies really exploit either some of our fears or our downsides and so this is one of those areas where that big push for us or for our kids to be independent when truly I once read that you know in order for a child to really become in a really balanced way independent all of their dependence needs first needed to be satiated. So you can't just want or force or push a kid away to to be able to be mature and to be on their own. They have to first grow up in a context where their most basic needs, emotional, physiological, social, are met. And then they're in a position to be a more balanced, independent human being. That's really, yeah. And that makes perfect sense, too. It does. I think so much, you know, I, I, I often think that what we're talking about here is so commonsensical, mm-hmm. except that we're really losing that and we're missing that. And and that's one of the things that I find that is happening with kids right now is we're really losing track of what kids really need in order to thrive and to be connected and to do well. And that's why this idea of using mindfulness with your kids really on on any topic, but today we're specifically talking about the technologies, can be so profound because instead of us either sitting there kind of with the future worry about what's gonna happen if I don't let them have this, that, or the other thing, and we can instead be present to be recognizing who the child is that's standing in front of us, what really their developmental needs are, we're then in a much better position to decide The when's and the where's and the if's and all Mm -hmm. of that around the technologies as opposed to doing it because of either the herd mentality thing like everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. it or I'm afraid my kid's going to get left out Mm -hmm. or left behind in school. And, you know, one of the questions that I would often come to as a parent in these moments is that I would ask myself, is that true? Mm. Like, I know that's something I'm afraid of, and Mm -hmm. I know that that's something that the culture is pushing around Mm -hmm. me, but is it actually true that that's going to happen? Right. So you're a questioner, Susan. (laughs) I am a questioner. (laughs) You do question.
1: You don't just accept the you know, the overarching viewpoint of most people, you actually say, wait, is that true?
0: <laughs> and, and and I found it to be just such a helpful thing to do with raising kids, given mm. all of the pressures that we're up against as parents to do it a certain way or to make sure our kids have certain things and and I'm also in some ways weirdly enough kind of a traditionalist that a lot of the things that I'll do too is to just go back like if we could strip away all of whatever's happening in modern day what is actually really true about what a human being needs you know and so I would kind of play those mind games with myself to pose those kind of questions to me like if every if all of the technologies and all the modern day conveniences were gone what would a child really need in order to be healthy, you know, emotionally and Mm -hmm. socially and all of those kinds of things. And I have to tell you, it never came down to whether or not they had an iPhone. (laughs) It never came down to whether or not they had a tablet. It just, it didn't come down to that at all. And I'm seeing that we're getting really distracted right now with our kids about what we think they need in order um, for them to be okay. And, And then meanwhile, really, when
1: you look at our culture and you really step back, We're kind of a mess right now. We are kind of a mess. Our whole country is split in two Mm -hmm. uh, politically. We have high rates of um, suicide, especially among teens. I think I heard the other day that the teen rate of suicide has gone up by 70%. 70%. Um, You know, people feel disenfranchised. They feel, I don't think people feel really proud Of our country in any way. It's just, we're kind of a mess. Mm. So the fact that we're even talking about this little piece of it all, it it does have a big impact because all of us are, you know, we are reliant now on our technologies. What would we do without them? Like if I couldn't Google (laughs) something or, you know, um, find a website to make an appointment or order something, I mean, it's just so big that we do really need to like get a handle on this and make sure that it's serving
0: us right not taking away right and i and for me that always begins with the kids so are we really meeting their real human needs because mm-hmm. as much as we feel like oh where would we be without being able to Google something or where would we be without our cell phones? Again, I just keep coming back to the truth is at the end of the day, those aren't actually real human needs. Mm. And yeah. our kids need to have their real human needs met first. Yeah. That was sort of my, my guiding proposition with my own kids is I wanted them established in their humanity first and then I was going to turn them over to the the tools of the technology because I, I feel as though if we can have our kids have a foundation of what it is to be human where all of those needs are satisfied, social, emotional, cognitive, physical, that then they're in a much better position to make uh, wise choices, they'll, that they'll see the technologies just as a tool yeah. as opposed to who they are or yeah. an extension of their arm because there's a lot of confusion around that right now with, you know, and especially when you mention our teenagers, you know, I've seen the same thing in the levels of depression and anxiety and suicide that have gone up. And there are many authors right now who are looking at that intersection around when the smartphones really crossed the 50% mark with us as a culture and how right along with that, the the levels of anxiety, depression, and suicide have all gone up among our young people. And so, again, that's got to make you wonder.
1: Yeah. It all makes me wonder.
0: (laughs) It's so big. It is so big. So let's talk about um, a, a few things in terms of the mindfulness around your your child's use with the technology so that we get a little bit more focused here and yeah. a little bit more Let's practical. Focus. Let's focus. Patty. us I like this. Okay. this is t- Patty and I talked about this getting, make sure we get practical too with, with <laughs> our theorizing here. So when we're talking about this idea of mindfulness and kids, when for instance, your son or your daughter is in front of a screen for whatever reason, maybe they're watching a show, maybe they're gaming, maybe they're on social media. Here are some things that you can look for. Pay attention to their body language. So pay attention to things like their posture to whether or not they're taking care of other needs when they're in front of a screen, like you know, going to the bathroom mm-hmm, or yeah. getting food that they need or getting up and moving, because it's actually not normal for a kid to sit unmoving for huge amounts of time. And we've never seen that happen, except now with the technologies. Mm. And so just that visual right there, without judging yourself for saying yes to this, without judging your kid, Watch them when they're in front of a screen as if you were just objectively from a distance, maybe even looking at a child that wasn't even yours. And just see what you can notice about their body language, about how they take care of their needs, don't take care of their needs. That's a really important piece, just to Mm. get that visual on them physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The next thing that I would say is, and this is a huge one, watch what happens when it's time to end. Mm, sure. Watch what happens when you say, okay, either the time is up, or now it's time for dinner, or chores. Their response and their reaction gives you a lot of information, and a lot of parents that I work with think that the the strong reactions that they get from their child about either just one more minute, or just Mm. let me finish this, or explosive behavior, A lot of times parents will think that that is uh, failing somehow on the child's part. And what I would say to that is it's not, it's actually giving you information about how immersed their nervous system is um, when they're doing whatever they're doing in front of a screen and how how elevated their nervous system is so we know this at this point like dopamine levels are up Mm. a lot of times our kids are in a fight flight response especially around the gaming Mm. and so Mm. when you go to pull that from them it feels really ripping and tearing
1: i think you made this point before that the people who design the the games and the um technologies they have um they they know what it, it takes to keep somebody wanting to come back. Yes. So they're designed so that we don't want to leave them.
0: It's very manipulative. And one of the organizations, it's called the Children's Screen Time Action Network that I belong to, is not only looking at this, but filing action and claims against certain companies for this very thing that the devices and the apps and the games and social media and so many things that our kids are using are being um, designed to manipulate their attention, to Ooh. manipulate their behavior. Well, this sounds really familiar.
1: Think about like the cigarette industry. Exactly. In the past and, and different things like that.
0: Yeah. I've heard people actually say that, that this is the, the equivalent of what the tobacco industry was mm-hmm. doing, that they yeah. throw this big sort of smoke screen up of, you know, doubt and fear, and they get you looking in all these different directions. And meanwhile, they're selling a really addictive product. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy when you think about that, and even more so when you think about, these are our kids that we're talking about. These are our kids. So I would do those two things. I would pay attention to physical. I Mm -hmm. would pay attention to what their behavior is like. Uh, you know, I know a lot of parents that I've talked to will say, you know, I let them do it because then it gives me the break that I mm-hmm. need or mm-hmm. lets me be able to get yeah. dinner together. Because you do have to cook dinner and you have exactly. to do the laundry.
1: And, and I can understand that and yep. I did that myself.
0: Yep, but also watching that Patty, right? Because the truth is, is like parents have been cooking dinner and doing laundry for mm-hmm. eons, right? And somehow mm-hmm. we figured out before this, how to occupy the kids, and so I'm not saying this as like a judgy or right wrong kind of thing. Yeah, but pay- that might
1: be their half an hour a day of technology use when you're cooking dinner or whatever, right. you know, amount of time. I think that the um, Pediatricians Association said two hours or less a day of combined screen time is what is recommended by
0: by them. Right. And they've actually, a lot of that's been refined to like kids under two, like zero oh. and like two to five, it's like one. Right. And I think even up to eight or 10, I'd have to look at that again. And, and I don't disagree with saying, okay, you can use this half hour during that time. I think the thing though, that's really important to pay attention to is even if it's only a half an hour, when your child gets off that screen, yeah. if they are not. The child that you know, if their behavior is out of control, if they can't find satisfaction in anything else, there is a huge piece of information for you right there. Yeah. It's enormous to really be paying attention to these things. It's not bad parenting on your part. It's not bad behavior on that part on their part. This really speaks to the pull that the screens have. So mindfully to be observing that, to be observing how they are when they come off the devices and not as a way to blame them or mm-hmm. to blame yourself, but to be gathering information about whether or not this is a good choice for them. Yeah. And then the that's last- pretty telling. It's very telling. That's pretty telling. But a lot of times we don't want to know that or we don't make that connection somehow because maybe, again, we're busy or our mind isn't in the present moment. But to really be present and to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I would say is to overall, there are times when it is really important to create spaces where there just isn't any technology available and to watch. What your child does and if your child is um, used to being in front of screens a lot there is going to be a time when there's going to be an uncomfortable period like there's mm. just no there's yeah. no getting around it there's going to be a time when they're going to be more complaining they're going to be more whining, they might even be angry at you. Mm -hmm. That again is a huge piece of information, right? That's a very addictive kind of response that if I can't get on this thing, I start to have mood swings or temper Mm -hmm. tantrums or I flare up at you or I'm crying or I'm threatening. Mm -hmm. That's really important piece of information that we do not want to ignore as parents. But what I would also say is that I've seen happen so many times if you can leave enough space for that piece to settle out, it's almost like you know the mud in the water. If you can give it time for the mud to settle to the bottom, mm-hmm. you will be absolutely amazed at what your child starts to turn to, starts to be interested in once the screens are off the table in terms of something to do. Mm. That's
1: really empowering, Susan. Yeah. I think that a lot of parents would benefit from hearing that because it is so uncomfortable when you take that thing away and you hear all the complaining and everybody else gets to do it Mm -hmm. and um, whatever what have you you know but or to hear, to you know, hear, like, give it time, let it settle out, it will get better, I think is just great. Parents need this information.
0: Yeah, to really, and that's, I find, where the mindfulness really comes in, because you're doing two things in that moment. You're watching them have whatever their reaction is and then you're also watching yourself and you're paying attention to the way that maybe you just want to make it stop Mm. or this makes you feel like you're a really bad parent yeah but this is just a natural unwinding that needs to occur and if you can hold that space in a really clear and loving way to say to really get with them to really understand to say i totally understand that you're upset right now i do understand that and I'm seeing that this time for you is causing problems so for now we're going to take this out of the mix and we're going to give you a chance to be interested in some other things and to have some other things to do in your life. Mm. Nice. And again here we are again, like a really another huge topic I feel like we could be talking for hours <laughs> yeah. about this but I think we are going to leave it for that today. Sure. Yeah, so thanks again Patty for being here for all your insights. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah, so as always, when we can remember what matters most, we create lives that we can feel good about and that serve as a contribution to the world. If you'd like to hear more about what I do, please go to the farm at org and you have to spell out the a t Or if you want to check out my blog where I talk about topics, um, technology and kids, the body, personal practice, you could go to my blog at medicineforthepeople.com and the four is the number four. So until next time. Namaste. See ya. Bye.